0: So every August, our church, uh, we, we, we huddle back around our vision as a church of why are we here and, and what are we about and what is God calling us to do. And this August, or, as we come around that vision again, we're just, we've just called it Re-Mission, to grow followers of Jesus Christ. Uh, literally, we feel like we're on a mission from God. Go ahead. There it is. And we actually have the whole Oastings have taken this. I mean, they, they are so passionate about this mission from God today. We, we have the Blues Brothers in-house with us. Do you guys want to stand up? Stand up and show us. There we go. The Blues family. <laughs> I love that, man. You got to be careful what you preach. People will listen, and then they start doing stuff. A couple of weeks ago, we opened this teaching series talking about can openers, and we talked about the fact that in Nashville, there's only about 30% of, of the Nashville public population that actually is, is active in their faith or attending a church, so that means, that means roughly in Nashville metro, 1.2 million people, uh, uh, let me just ask you did, you, did you have any traffic on the way to church this morning? And that's not a good thing, because 1.2 million people in our area slept in today, 1.2. And so we ask the tough questions of, if a can opener is supposed to be opening cans, if we're supposed to be growing followers of Jesus Christ, if we're supposed to be making disciples, then are we really accomplishing that purpose? And, and and if a can opener can't open in cans, is it still a can opener? And so we, we've been diving into this conversation, and, and the passage that we're going to look in today, some as, as for, for direction, as we talked about a little bit last week, is John chapter 10. It is this great teaching of Jesus where he says, I am the gate, I am the good shepherd. He uses this, this relationship between se- shepherd and sheep, but but. to to define our relationship with him, but I think he also is giving us an example to follow. He he, He is giving us cues as his disciples. Last week, we talked about hearing the voice, recognizing the voice of the shepherd. Remember this powerful idea that there is a God in the universe, and he wants to speak to you to speak into your life but for that to happen we have to detox we have to have to clear things out we have to become people of the gentle whisper did you hear him this week did you make space to hear him this week do you believe he wants to speak to you and then we even talked about how can you know this really is the voice of God and not just indigestion what did he say what would he say to you if he could speak into your life right now, in this moment, what would he say? And then we challenge you and said, now, now don't stop there, but take those very words of God and speak them into the lives of your friends and your neighbors and your workplace. So this week we're coming back around John chapter 10 and this idea of Shepherd. Uh, the, the Latin word for shepherd is a word you may know. It's the word pastor. It, it comes from the word pasture. Uh, a pasture is what the bonds have out behind their house, right? <laughs> a pastor is a shepherd who, whose job is to pasture the flock. You understand? Are you with me? Uh, to pasture is just to set to grazing, to cause to eat. Uh, uh, and in this instance, and, and even more next week, as we talk about the good pastor, you, you'll see this, this pulled out. And, and I think of, uh, when, I, when I think of the good shepherd, the good pastor, this language of pastor, I can't help but think of the 23rd Psalm. Is it one of your favorite? A Psalm of David, the Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. And even when I walk through the darkest valley, go ahead, Rob. I will not be afraid. So in Scripture this idea of pastor pastor is really strong this idea of good Shepherd is really strong. oftentimes it is used to refer to God. It's used Jesus uses it to refer to himself. Jesus says, I am the good pastor. He is the example, the prototype and never no one could ever replace Jesus as the good pastor. But I want you to see something else that happens in Scripture is that Jesus is not the only pastor. Throughout the Bible, those who are assigned the duty of caring for God's flock are referred to as pastors. Post resurrection, Jesus tells Peter, after asking him three times if he loves me, he tells Peter, Feed my lambs, take care of my sheep. Pastor. Some of you uh, uh, um, in this church, even uh, there are names that you call me, but one of the names is sometimes Pastor, right? And throughout the Bible, those who are assigned the duty of caring for God's flock, you know, we've received this title. And so my job is literally to take you out to pasture. My job is literally to to lead the flock, to, to cause them to eat, to cause, to set to grazing. Now, you know this, but I just want to clarify. I am not the good pastor, but I work for him. My job as pastor of this church is to follow the example of the good pastor. But who else in our church are pastors? Every year and, and coming up this October, we'll have a state of the church address. Once a year, we talk about budget and all the things of the church. We examine what we're doing and how we're doing it. And uh, men that, uh, from our church are called to be pastors. We'll have them come up and pray for them. And we actually give them a pastor's staff. Right? Have you seen this happen? First Peter chapter five verses one and one through three says that we are to care for. Oh, here it is. Sorry, I'll just read it for you. And now, a word to you who are elders in the churches. I too am an elder and a witness to the suffering of Christ, and I too will share in His glory when He is revealed to the whole world. As a fellow elder, I appeal to you. What are those next four words? Care, care for the flock. Pastor, you see how this works. This great responsibility that has been handed to me, I now hand to you care for the flock that God has entrusted to you. Watch over it willingly, not grudgingly, not for what you will get out of it, but because you are eager to serve God. And don't lord it over people assigned to your care, but lead them by your own good example. Now our elders are awesome And they've been given the job to pastor, but they are never to try and replace the good pastor. You see how this works. But they work for him. They follow his example. So who else are called to be pastor? Think about that 23rd Psalm. Who makes you lie down by quiet waters? Who guides you along right paths? Who protects you? Who takes you out to pasture? You know, my wife Amy is, is always concerned that I'm getting the rest and renewal I need. She lets me rest in green meadows and leads me beside peaceful streams. My friend Rick, he, he speaks authoritatively into my life about direction and purpose. He guides me along right paths. My mom and dad, they, they protect and comfort me still to this day. My friends Greg and Chris are some of my biggest fans, and they are full of encouragement. They renew my strength and overflow my cup with blessing. Now, these people could never replace the good pastor in my life, but they definitely work for him. And if our mission is to grow followers of Jesus Christ, if that truly is our mission, if our mission is to grow followers of Jesus Christ, then it's not just my mission. And and it's not just the mission of our elders. But it genuinely is our mission. Then your job, like my job, like the job of our elders, is to take people out to pasture. Are you with me? All right, turn to your neighbor. Everyone all of a sudden, everyone got terrified. Ugh. Turn to your neighbor. Say, good morning, pastor. Good morning. <laughs> Does that feel weird? But that is exactly what our mission is. We, we are not the good pastor, but we are pastors in training. Uh, Jesus calls us up out of the sheep fold to be leaders, Right? And so as pastors in training, let's look together at, uh, at the example of Jesus and what are, what are some of the qualities of, of, good, of the good pastor that we can put into our own life. Let's look at this John chapter 10. It's kind of been, been home based for us. Jesus says, I tell you the truth. He, he says this a couple of times in the passage. Anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd or the pastor of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice. And what are the next three words? He calls his own sheep by name. And what are the next words? And after he's gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them. Oh, well, here it is. He walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. I want to key on a couple of things in this. Like he leads them out. He walks ahead of them. Pastors lead from the front. Now this is counterintuitive because when I was a kid I wanted to be a cowboy. Believe it or not, every 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 day of my life up through at least the 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 5th grade, I'm going to say, I know this is I'm going to bring a picture one day. Every day of my life I wore uh, cowboy boots, uh Wranglers, button-down shirt, and a cowboy hat with a big belt buckle because I was going to be a cowboy. And I had worked with cows and had been ridden horses my whole life, and this idea of a pastor leading from the front is counterintuitive for me because as a cowboy, you drive the cows from where? The back. That's right. You drive them from the back. You don't lead from the front. If you get in front of them, they <laughs> you're just going to lose them. But pastors lead from the front. The sheep aren't driven from behind. Uh, A pastor's not at the rear of the flock, poking and prodding. He's out in front. Uh, This was an incredible idea. Uh, My wife and I, we got a chance to go to Dubai uh, in the UAE, United Arab Emirates, on on some of our adoption journeys. And one of the things we saw there is that the men always walk in front of the women. Now, I know already some women's blood started boiling right there. (laughs) What? But one of the things we learned, if we went to a cultural center, which was really incredible, that taught us so much about Islam and their culture and all these things, well, what we learned is that the, the man walking in front of a woman isn't, isn't some sort of sexist thing, and it, it wasn't about status, as you might assume. But imagine this, this hot, arid, rough desert in, environment filled with all sorts of dangers, scorpions and snakes. The man walks in front to make the path. Safe. The woman isn't less valuable than a man, but more valuable. Out front, the shepherd places himself between his sheep and the danger. He runs interference. A, a, a pastor's job is to protect. You heard that language in the 23rd Psalm. Your rod and your staff, they they what's it say? They make me frightened. They comfort. Me, Out front, the pastor provides an example to follow. those, Those words come out in Psalm 23. He guides me along right paths. Isn't there something incredibly comforting about knowing that whatever you face in life, the good pastor has already been there, done that. You're not going to cut any new ground. You're not going anywhere he hasn't gone. doesn't matter how, how painful or how much sorrow or, or how difficult. The pastor's already cut a path for us. He knows the way to go. He knows where the danger lies, where it's safe to drink and where it's not, where, where it's safe to sleep and where there's food to eat. He isn't leading us down some impossible path. The fact that the pastor's in front says that this way is doable, this way is livable, this way is achievable. Right? How many times have you felt like the Christian journey? Oh, it's just too difficult. I don't know if I can live up to this. And I don't know. Lord's asking me to do too much. No, no, no. Jesus came in flesh and blood to show us that this kind of life is possible. Are you with me? Christianity isn't designed to be some unclimbable peak. No, it's doable. And Jesus calls to us from up ahead. Come on. You can Make it. And if we're to be like him, if he's calling us into this pastor role too, if that is our mission, our mission is to pastor from the front. Who are you leading? Who are you leading? But with the mission of pastoring from the front comes a very stern warning, and scripture is filled with these warnings. I want you to listen to the words of of Ezekiel chapter 34. It's, It's a little bit long and drawn out, but we who are assigned to be pastors, just like men and women throughout history, throughout the Bible, are assigned this role of pastoring. We need to recognize these words as we think about leading from the front, The voice of God speaking through the prophesied Isaiah, or Ezekiel, I'm sorry, says, Son of man, prophesy against the pastors is the language. The leaders of Israel. Give them this message from the sovereign Lord. What sorrow awaits you pastors who feed yourselves instead of your flocks? Shouldn't shepherds feed their sheep? You drink the milk, wear the wool, and butcher the best animals, but you let your flocks starve. You have not taken care of the weak, and you have not tended the sick or bound up the injured. You have not gone looking for those who have wandered away and are lost. Instead, you have ruled them with harshness and cruelty. So my sheep have been scattered without a pastor, and they are easy prey for any wild animal. They have wandered through all the mountains and all the hills across the face of the earth, yet no one has gone to search for them. Keep going. Is that it? That's it. If you, uh, you read a little further, I think it says, I now consider these shepherds my enemies, and I will hold them responsible for what has happened to my flock. The voice of God speaking through Ezekiel says, I will take away their right to pastor. I will stop them from from feeding themselves. I will rescue my flock from their mouths. The sheep will no longer be their prey. So uh, if you love Psalm 23, the 23rd Psalm, Ezekiel 34 is pretty much the opposite, right? It is the counterpoint of if Psalm 23 gives us the prototype example of what a pastor is, what a shepherd is, then... The Ezekiel 34 gives us this crazy warning uh, and talks to us about what a pastor is not. And I think the key is found in these couple of verses. It says, what sorrow awaits you shepherds who feed yourself instead of your flocks? You take care of yourselves and let the sheep starve. You know, it's something that uh, this this whole idea of of pastors leading from the front, this this idea of leadership, it's something our world has gotten totally upside down. We have become a a culture obsessed with titles and and prestige. We have become a people looking to be served rather than to serve. Have you ever seen this happen in a church? Um, uh, have you ever seen, uh, and and you'll see the examples because they come on the news all the time, where where things this this balance gets shifted and a church becomes this place that that serves a pastor instead of a pastor serving a church. There was a great example of this not not long ago of on the news. A friend actually mentioned this to me as a. Uh, Uh, there was a pastor of this mega, massive church in Atlanta, and they did a special offering so the pastor could have a new jet. Something like $70 million is what he asked for. See how that flipped? And Jesus says, ah, be careful. You who feed yourselves instead of your flocks, who take care of yourself and let your sheep starve. You know, it was something even the disciples around Jesus, like they would get caught up in this sometimes. In the the jostle for position, they would argue about who would be first and who gets to sit at Jesus' right hand and who would be served, not who would serve. And so in response to that, in John, in John chapter 13, Jesus says, you call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. And then he says, I love this, verse 15. If you don't have this in your highlighted, put it on your fridge. He says, I've given you an example to follow. Follow my example. Do as I have done. Let me ask you a tough question. Because it happens in churches all over Nashville. How many of you walked in this morning looking to be served? looking for some special word from the preacher to lift you up and help you make it through the week. And there's a place for that. But the danger is that we would come to church every week looking for someone else to take care of us, looking for someone else to take care of our needs. How many of you on the way in this morning stopped by David, at our children's minister and said, I don't know, is there, is there anything extra you need today? I'm just here. I'm here to help. Which one is more, is, is a closer example to the pastor that God calls us to be? And I hate to be so blunt, but I know there's groups in Nashville. There, there's one group that us pastors, we kind of talk about sometimes. There's a group of two or three hundred people that literally church hop from church to church to church looking to be served. And when they. Use up all the resources that a church has, then they move to the next church. And scripture says, you know, read the if they ever come to our church, we're preaching on Ezekiel 34 that day. I don't care what's happening, right? Because <laughs> the word of scripture are beware, that is not as as you are called to lead from the front. Matthew, Jesus says in Matthew 20, verse 28, he says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, I I, want to be tender with this because there are those of you here this morning that need to be served and praise God for that. We want to be a church that does that and pays attention to that. But I want to be cautious of anyone that is looking to be served continually forever. The turn is from, man, yeah, I got served. And now in response, I'm looking to serve. And it's a turn far too few of us have made. I talked about making dresses. I talked about going to the Nashville Rescue Mission. We, we, we have ways that you can serve even right now, every week. And we have awesome servants here that are doing a ton. Our mission as pastors is to lead from the front. And our mission as pastors is to be servant leaders, I try to use that in my language all the time. I feel like my job, my role in this church is to serve. Somebody asked me one time, uh, what does minister mean? Some, so, pastor, minister, sometimes we use this thing. And I said, I'm the head butler. That's what it means. I'm the servant of servants. Is that your attitude? Is that your heart? With those around you in your workplace, are, are you realizing that, that you're put there? Sure, lead from a front, lead from example, but lead from a place of service. Not in search of prestige or title or um, because you're going to get a new jet out of it. Are you with me? I never asked for a jet, by the way. That's not a story about me or our church. I'd settle for a plane ticket, you know. Let's keep going. Our mission as pastors is to be servant leaders. In John chapter 10, I want to come back to this, this awesome passage that Jesus gives us, talking about sheep and shepherds. He, he changes language and goes to, to talking about a gate. It says, those who heard Jesus use the illustration didn't understand what he meant. So he explained it to them. I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. And all who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate, and those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal, to kill, and destroy, and my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. So he makes a transition, and, and it seems difficult for us to comprehend. Well, he was talking about being a shepherd, and now he tells us he's the gate. And there's, there's another gate in this, in, in this teaching, too. Uh, originally, the shepherd comes to the gate, and the gatekeeper opens the gate, but Jesus is the gate. So I, I want try to try to take this bar, a couple of gates. The first gate is, is the city gate. When the shepherds would bring all of the flocks into town, into the village, into the main place, they would have one big sheepfold for all the flocks. And that sheepfold would have a giant wooden door that all the sheep passed through, right? The whole city sheep, the whole town sheep would pass through this one door and there would be a gatekeeper, a doorkeeper. Now the doorkeeper would only let those shepherds that he knew enter the flock. Does that make sense? So Jesus is the the shepherd that leads us through the gate. The gatekeeper recognizes him and opens the door for him. But Jesus goes on to say, I am the gate. And what he is saying is, I am the shepherd. I'm the pastor. So when the shepherd or the pastor would take the flock out into the wilderness is where they spent most of their time, out into the wilds of the ancient Near East. With lions and tigers and bears. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> at night, the pastor would would, would huddle the, the sheep together against a rocky outcropping and maybe use brush or twigs or limbs and, and build a, what's called a sheep fold, just just a small kind of containing place. And then to make sure the sheep were safe at night, The pastor would make his camp in the entrance. Literally lying down in the entrance of the sheepfold. Do you see how this works? So when Jesus says I am the gate, he is saying, I am the pastor. No one, no danger can come in and out unless they go through me. It becomes the way. And those who come in through him will be saved. They will come and go freely and find good pastures. He used his body. Those of you who know the story of the death, the the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ can identify with this powerful uh, uh, imagery. Jesus' body becomes The way, Hebrews 10, 20 says, he is the new and living way. Those who come in through him will be saved. They will come and go freely and find good pastors. And then verse 10, he says, the purpose of the pastor, the mission of the pastor is to give them a rich and satisfying life. The language is super abundance. He is going to give a a Costco kind of life, right? Enough life that you don't have to worry about running out. How many of you live in this place of scarcity? Well, if I do this, I don't know if I'll have enough. He says the pastor's job is to give an abundance, a super abundance of life, so much life that you would not hesitate to share it. See how that works? Have you received that kind of life? An over. Flowing that, that that language of Psalm 23 comes out again. You hear that my cup overflows with blessing. Superabundance of life is never going to run out. So our mission is to pastor as we have been pastored. It's not enough for you just to remain sheep forever. But you are called at some point to shepherd. You're called to pastor, to pastor your friends. Right? To 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 pastor your neighbors, to pastor your families, to to pastor your workplaces, to pastor here at our, to pastor here at our church. To pastor our, our, our culture to pastor your, your kids. Our mission is to lead from the front, to set an example for others to follow, to lead others by quiet and still waters. When have you done that? When have you led someone? Our world is so stressed and anxious and always on the, on the edge. What would it look like for you to lead someone into quiet waters? to guide them along right paths, to to protect those under your care, to to just walk into your office place and and you don't have to tell anyone, hey, guess what, guys, today I'm gonna be your pastor. No, just start doing it, right? They're gonna freak out if you tell them. So just start being that person that stands in the gap. Be that person that, that leads by example. Be servant leaders, Washing feet instead of looking for your feet to be washed. Lead a life of of public service. And most importantly, lead from the front. Lead Lead as a servant. But most importantly, lead everyone through the gate. Introduce them to the Good pastor Jesus Christ, so that they might experience a super abundance of life, a life that is never going to run out. Ultimately, our job is our mission. As pastors, our, our role, uh, a pastor is a life giver. To give life. How have your actions, how have your thoughts, how's, how, how's your behavior, How is has your, your attitude this week been life giving? So in just a moment we're going to take communion and um, we do things a little bit different not to not to make things un, uncomfortable but to, to to hopefully draw you into the very words of Jesus in, in a deeper way. So around our room we have three tables set up with the elements of communion the the cup and the bread which represent the body and the and the blood of Jesus Christ poured out for us. We believe that that He died so that we might have life. We believe that He died for for our sins. We believe that. He died so we don't have to feel guilty, but we can walk out forgiven and empowered and encouraged and blessed. And so in just a moment, I'm going to say a prayer, and I'm going to dismiss you to these tables, and, and I invite you to take communion together if you're comfortable doing that. Um, what Jesus did with his disciples wasn't this solemn kind of thing. Uh, it was around a round meal with guys, so uh, I don't know if you could imagine what that might be like. But they joked and laughed and told stories. They, they talked about their life, their, their days, their struggles. And so I invite you, if you're comfortable, man, to just share a part of your life. Maybe there's one element of your life that, that you're ready to turn over and, and as you step into this role of pastoring others. Maybe God's really convicted you today during his teaching or as you've read his word. Man, you know, he, he said this, and I just haven't been following that, and, and I want to start. Share that with someone. Share that with someone. Let them be blessed. Start, begin, even as you take communion, to pastor each other, right? To encourage, to give life, to lead by example. But I know some of you are uh, maybe, uh, and I can't even begin to pr- process what everyone is going through and where you're at in this place, and so maybe you just need a few moments of quiet with the Good Shepherd, and that's, this, this time is appropriate for that, too. So... Um, let me say a prayer for us, and then i 'll dismiss us to a time of communion. Father God, I thank you so much for your son Jesus Christ. I thank you for the example of the good pastor god i, I even even today the things we 're talking about kind of kind of seem maybe seem scary or seem challenging or or difficult or maybe we're feeling like oh man, I just haven't been doing this, or I've been failing at this, or I haven't been very good. Father God, because you are so good, because you are the good pastor, you call us into you to follow you again. Even, even through our, our inadequacies and our mess ups and our failures, Father God, you just continue to call us to to follow you, to follow your example. And so Father God, today we can start over. Today is a new day. We can we can begin again into your mission, lean deeper into who you've called us to be. And so Father God, right now, i I as we prepare for communion to celebrate the death, burial, of your, and, and resurrection, the new life of your son, Jesus Christ, Father God, I, I pray that, uh, that in every person here, the, the spark of the pastor would begin to burn. That none of us would be somehow make some excuses of why this is not for us. Because this is the example you've set. Father, God, it doesn't matter matter how old we are, great-grandparent, great-grandparent, great-great-grandparent, our role is to pastor. To lead by example, to draw others to you, to help others find life in you. God, our world is so desperate for life, and they're looking in all the wrong places. So, Father, God, give us this conviction of being pastors. We love you, Father, and in your Son, Jesus' name, everyone together says... Amen. I invite you to stand and enjoy a time of communion together.